Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. So today is Thanksgiving Sunday and... Uh, we are, I wanted us to give thanks for some things as church, as worship harvest. Uh, one, we thank God for his word to us. He told us we were a disease-free zone. We were an economic powerhouse and that our loved ones would get saved. And this has been happening uh, incredibly. It's been happening so, so much. So we thank God for healing us, for providing for us, and for fulfilling his word concerning our loved ones. Now, I, I have a report here which I want to see if I can give you quickly. Two weeks ago, uh, we, I felt impressed that we should start evangelizing as a church. And because uh, as worship harvest, we do life in missional communities, I want to send out shout outs to all our MC leaders. Yeah. You're the real deal. Missional community leaders, you're the real deal. Thank you for leading the people of God. So two weeks ago, I just thought, you know, we should start doing evangelism through missional communities. And in my mind, it was so easy. If every missional community combined, if they put their efforts together and led one person to Christ in a week, would make some progress, you know, as a church. We'd also reach heaven and say, we want souls. So last week, the other week, uh, which and in, of which last Sunday was the beginning of a new week, so, so I mean, the other week, 65 people gave their lives to Jesus <laughs> through missional communities. Now, I have news, say news. Yeah. News! This week, this week which just ended, we have 111 people giving their lives to Jesus. 111. If you don't realize, it means that we, if we keep going like this, we are going to be leading more than 5,000 people to Christ a year, as opposed to our usual methods of only using garage, now we are going out. The devil is scared, and scared is the devil. In fact, to, to stress to you how important this thing is to me, I'm going to read out some locations which over-exceeded all of us in leading people to Christ. Worship of Gaba Road... which has only four missional communities, led 32 people to Christ this past week. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? And I really, really want to appreciate and to honor the woman of God 
Pastor Solomon Nantairo for leading your people so well. 32 souls. Worship of Escabarol. Thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, can they bring for me Solomon here briefly? Just standing. Yeah, just, yeah. Even though, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when the production team is like, oh my God, there he goes again. Yes. Yes, Pastor Solomon. Let's have Pastor Solomon. That's what I'm talking about. She's anointed, she's appointed, she's submitted, she's flowing in the spirit. Thank you. I just wanted, you know, people might, when I say Pastor Solomon, some people might not know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's you, so thank you so much. Do you want to just send a word to these people? <laughs> she's done, all right. Let's do this. <laughs> hey! Thank you. Worship, worship Harvest Makerere, which has only seven missional communities, led 25 people to Christ. Yeah. This is serious. 25. Now, you may want to know that uh, these two are some of the youngest church plants. That's why we are planting churches because research has shown including the one you're experiencing right now that newer churches are ten times more capable of reaching non-believers than old churches. In fact once your church reaches ten years its effectiveness in reaching non-believers goes down to only ten percent of what it was able to do at the beginning. So that's why we are planting churches. So we thank God for churches and church plants and these locations. Worship Harvest downtown, 17 missional communities, 14 salvations. Yeah, yeah. Worship Harvest downtown is not even two years old. So it's, it's the newest locations. The other week, Worship Harvest Nairobi led 10 people to Christ. Yeah, yeah. The other week, so... So I want to celebrate that. And I think it's worth taking time out of the service to celebrate that because in heaven, there is celebration when people get saved. And if we, if we claim to be heavenly minded at all, we should always be stopping to celebrate this salvation. Thank you, Jesus. So we thank God for that. We thank God for four locations that have been planted in this season. Worship of Nairobi. Worship Harvest Arua, Worship Harvest Kawempe, Worship Harvest Mbale. Thank you. We send you regards. So thank you, Lord, for those. I was still giving thanks for on, on behalf of Worship Harvest. So four locations, salvations, and, and many other things. I'm, I'm about to give you a prophetic word. I will preach. Why or not? Uh, but one more word of wisdom that came to me this morning. In fact, it was so dramatic <laughs> the way God spoke to me. Uh, you see, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget people who have been significant in our lives. This morning, as, 
as I was meditating in the morning, God brought back to my memory a friend, a friend, a man who discipled me when I was at university. He's called Patrick Minda. We call him Patty. And I realized, oh, of course, I'm friends with Patty. We meet, we have lunch, we do whatever. But I realized in that moment that he actually really discipled me very intensively for about three or four years. And I realized that part of what I am now is because of Patty's what? Efforts. And I had to send him a message and thank him and all the other right things that you do in those kind of scenarios. And it occurred to me that there are many of you who have forgotten the people who ministered to you. Maybe you are now at a stage where you know the Lord, you operate in the Spirit, you read the Bible, you are leading a church. But remember that person in Scripture Union who walked with you because where you are now is because of what they did way back then. Remember that person in Christian Union. Remember that person back in school, back at university. Maybe that first church you attended before you came to worship harvest or went to another church. There is that brother, there is that sister who walked with you. For some of you, you even remember the person who led you to Christ. Yeah? If, if you know that person, I want you today, today, this afternoon, this Sunday, right after garage, I want you to reach out to that person and I need you to appreciate that person. All those people. For me, some of you, you've been a project. Yeah, too many people have had to raise you in the spirit. Reach out to those people, appreciate them and honor them. Yeah, send them some money or some gift, something to appreciate their work in the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. So we've been, we are closing. This is the very last session of Sam Kamani. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. We are supposed to have finished last week, but it became too long, so we said we'll do the second half this week. And we are talking about different ways of practicing generosity. Amen. So my mind is alert. My heart is receptive and I am ready to receive the word of God. Now, I know that the good people over here are going to be giving me scriptures when I ask for them. So we are talking about practicing generosity. What key is that? Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We know that it's your goodness that leads us to repentance. I thank you for my friends who are listening right now, those who are watching on Facebook, YouTube, those who watch later on TV, those who are listening on radio. Thank you because your presence is filling their spaces right now mightily and eliminating all kinds of sicknesses and correcting all kinds of anomalies. 
because of your goodness, we bless you, we thank you. We thank you for the many, many testimonies that are going to come out of today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we talked about generosity and we, we talked about tithe as one of the ways we practice generosity. And uh, we talked about first fruits and then we talked about offering. Remember those three? Or did we do four? We did three. And then we said today we would finish. And I just wanted to start with some scriptures. Acts 20, 35. Acts 20, 35. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. Acts 20, 35. He says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. What words does he use there? Must. must. It's not suggesting. He's not saying it's a good idea. You must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What is more blessed? To give than to receive. That's why we practice generosity. Any Christian who is not practicing generosity is missing out on the real deal. Now I even forgot the word I'm supposed to give for worship harvest people. Let me give it now quickly and go back to the message. We are entering a season of contending for the kingdom. A season of contending for the things that are close to the heart of God. We are entering a season of expansion. We are entering a season of uh, when I say contending, I want you to understand that it's not going to be like we are just going out and it's happening without resistance. It's going, there is going to be resistance, but we're going to break through. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's the season we are going into. We're entering a season of taking the kingdom by force. Evangelism, church planting, deploying missional communities, basically chasing the devil off our turf. And in the next three months, these things are going to happen. It's going to be an intense season of prayer. Intense season of prayer. If you're in worship service, you're going to enter an intense season of prayer. If you find that you're not being oriented, if you don't feel any urge to pray, it means you're probably uh, completely out of line with what God is doing in this church. You're going to feel the urge to pray. You're going to wake up at weird hours. When you wake up, it's not the coffee. Just start praying. Yeah, we are entering a season of intense prayer. Many of you are going to be praying a lot more than you have ever prayed before. Some of you have never prayed for an hour constantly. You're going to start praying for an hour. Some of you have never prayed for two hours. You're going to pray for two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours, six hours, seven hours. We are entering as, as an intense season of prayer. Uh, if you're in worship harvest and you're listening, that's you. Uh, I'm not talking about the pastors. I'm talking about you. You are going to pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask every single person in worship harvest to fast at least one day a week, at the very least. If you find that you're eating seven days a week, you're walking in disobedience. Yeah. Except if you're a pregnant mother or a nursing mother or if your doctor has given you uh, conditions which forbid you from fasting. So at least once a week or more or more, you're going to find yourself just fasting more than, than usual. Uh, 
uh, live a fasted lifestyle. In other words, don't eat all you can eat whenever you can eat it. Don't eat all you can eat whenever you can eat. In other words, even on the day you're not fasting, when you go to the buffet line, eliminate some items. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a reason you've been given a choice. So make the choice. Okay. Number three, contrary to projections, you're going to practice radical generosity. Uh, you're going to give more than you've given before. There's a, a testimony that came in online from Daniel Ajena. He says he came to this church when he was seeking financial wisdom. Let me read it verbatim so I don't mess it up. He says, so I joined Worship Harvest at a time when I was seeking God for financial provision. I have found the word growth and financial wisdom and real financial growth. See here what he says. What I give now is sometimes more than what we would earn in a year just five years ago. What he gives now is more than what they would earn in a year just five years ago. Every area enriched with the word. What a wow. That's from Daniel Ajena. So you're going to be generous. Don't follow the winds of the world. Lastly, this is very important. Avoid strife. Avoid internal strife. Walk in humility. Okay? And obedience. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says, hum therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord, and in due time, he will lift you up. Some of you are fighting your mission or community leaders. They tell you, let's go do evangelism. You say, why? They tell you, let's go to the frontier. We are tired. Uh, get online, join the Zoom meeting. I don't want. If you're that kind, I advise you to very quickly find another church to attend. Very quickly. Go to a church where there are leaders you can obey. If you stay in this church, it's not going to be well with you. So if you stay in this church, fall in line. Stop fighting your leaders, your MC leaders, your cohort leaders, your elders, your location pastors. Some of you, your head is too big, you can't go through the door. It's, you're swaying from side to side from the weight of what you carry for the head, spiritually speaking. I don't know if someone is understand what I'm saying. When your head is too big, even when God opens doors, you can't go through. Yeah. So, two things. Either stop striving. I don't mean don't question. I mean, if your leader comes and tells you something that's not biblical, that's not in the Bible, don't do it. You always refer to the higher authority, and the highest authority is God. If, some, if your leader tells you, let's steal, refer to God. Say, no, it says, thou shalt not steal. Okay. But as long as your leaders are walking in integrity, and whatever they are telling you is out of the word, we, get, we got a word on January 17th and it's coming to pass. 
the worship harvest you will see at the end of this year will be very different from the one that started this year. And part of that is going to be there will be no rebels entertained in this church. Okay. I've said it right there. You can crop it out, post it on WhatsApp, and send it everywhere. It shall not happen. Yeah. By the way, I'm praying. I'm praying. And I might pray some really dangerous prayers for some of you. Paul prayed those prayers. Paul said, those people who preach whatever we haven't preached, let them be accursed. Yeah. Yeah. The grace preacher. He pronounced curses on those who preach stuff that's not in Christ. I'm not going to do that, but I don't even have to do that. I'll never do that. I'm just saying, if, if, if you find that your spiritual gift is resistance, either plant your own church which you can lead that way with resistance, or go find another church where they like resistance. Here we are on mission to lead people to Christ, to bring spiritual social economic renewal in immediate communities and as a result the world and the pace has picked up in case you haven't noticed if you're in worship service we're at a much higher speed of operation than we were last year and because of that we don't have time to entertain people who have allowed satan to speak to them and they've become the talking snake okay so just fall in line let's do this okay three other ways to give The first one is giving out of honor. Okay, this is like the fourth one. Okay, because I share the first three, which was tithe, first fruits, and offering. Now, there is giving out of honor. All right. You know, when you, you've spent a week, when you're not a week old, sometimes you use abbreviations which made sense last week. And now you're looking at them and wondering. What does this mean? So there's giving out of honor. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. How do you honor the Lord? With your possessions. Okay? And with the first fruits of all your increase. You don't honor the Lord through singing slow songs. You don't honor the Lord by lying down on the floor during the worship. You don't honor the Lord by tears coming down your face. All those things are good, but the Bible does not anywhere prescribe them as mechanisms of honoring the Lord. Am I making sense? This is the... By the way, there might be others, but in as far as I know, you know you operate out of the revelation you have. According to the revelation I have, I haven't found any scripture that teaches us how to honor the Lord. Now, there are many scriptures that teach us to honor the Lord. There are commands to honor the Lord. But the Lord, but this was the first scripture I found that told me, Mose, this is how you honor the Lord. How do you do that? With the first fruits of all your increase, with all your possessions, okay, with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase. Yeah. That's how you honor the Lord. This business of flinging hands up during worship and looking like you just landed from heaven, all of that is good. But you see, 
There is only one thing that reveals the state of your heart. That's your attachment to possessions. Yeah. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Good, good master, good teacher. What will I do that I may inherit the kingdom? He says, he came and worshipped him saying, worshipped him saying. You see during worship, what happens? The music is on and we worship and we say, I love you Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. That's what Richie Angura was doing. In fact, if you are a, a, a strict interpreter of the Bible, you could surmise that he actually prostrated himself before Jesus. Some of you, even kneeling is too difficult for you. But this one went all the way down. Says, good master, what will I do that I may inherit the kingdom? Now, if that happened on your crusade, because remember, this is a rich, young ruler. So imagine a rich, young Ugandan who is well-known. That's likely to be either a musician or a politician or a business person. If, if we're on live stream at our crusade and the person comes, now like so, falls down, everyone will know the kingdom of God has come. The person is saved. Not Jesus. He said, get up, get up, get up. Let's talk. Yeah, why do you call me good? Only God is good. In other words, I'm God. You are not, you are not acknowledging who, I really, who really I am. And says, anyway, you know the commandments. Yeah? God do the commandments. He says, ah, no, 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 no. I've already done that from childhood. I keep the law. It's okay. There's one thing you lack. You keep, you keep the law, yes? You, you, you don't sleep around. You, you don't murder. You go to church on Sunday. Even when they close the churches, you log on online. You, 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 you know, you, you do all the religious Christian stuff except one the one that reveals the true state of your heart. He says, go sell everything and give the money to the poor. And he said, Chikafue. Impossible, master. Impossible. That's not going to happen. You see, some of you think God needs your money. He does not. He needs your heart. And he knows that the thing blocking your heart from him are your possessions. That's why when he wants your heart, there is not a single person God had a relationship with deeply that did not practice radical generosity. Because God knows the thing that always stands between you and him are the possessions. So right from Abel 
possessions had to go for him to have a relationship. To Abraham, to Solomon, David, they all had. The David one time does an unwise thing and asks for a census. And God is like, so you think I'm not strong enough for you? He says, okay, now you choose either a plague or to be defeated in war. Did he say three times? Or what was it? Hunger, famine. Hey, David went and weighed the option. He says, you know what, God? We will fall in your hands. Send a plague. Then people started dying like flies in Israel. Leaders, we need to be careful. Your actions. So, but the reason David chose that, because he had precedence from Exodus, when those people disobeyed God and things happened, he knew what the leader should do. So, he knows, once the plague starts, I'm going to go and make a sacrifice to God. So the moment the plague started, he ran and said, I'm going to make a sacrifice. And God's like, uh, and some guy offered him stuff. He said, no, my king, here is, everything is yours, just sacrifice. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to give God what costs me nothing. He paid for it. Are we there? Yes. We are talking about giving out of honor. You honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of it. That's how you honor the Lord. In fact, this was a breakthrough scripture for me because then it opened for me a completely new world of different ways of honor that I didn't know about. Now let me tell you something. Many years ago, we were a small broke church. Not entirely broke, but you know what I mean. We could hardly afford to pay the rent 30,000 per Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Someone agrees we are broke. Then they raised it to 50,000. And then it went. Then we were chased from that venue. Then we went to a new venue where we had to pay 80,000 per Sunday. And like, the devil is really fighting God's work. You know, by the time you ascribe 80,000 to being the devil, you know you're broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you go to the restaurant, they bring you the menu and you're like, devil loose. The devil is fighting God's work of the man of God eating in this restaurant. What? A plate is how much? Are we paying rent of eating? <laughs> anyway, we had learned a key principle when we were at St. Francis. It was to tithe the ministry's income to other ministries. So we started honoring other ministries and honoring God by giving 10% of all our income as church to other ministries. So fast forward in the process of time, Andrew comes to Uganda. First time we sing at the concert, he comes and not concert, Andrew doesn't do concerts at the conference, and then he came again, and this time, they gave us an opportunity to host him at Worship Harvest, Kerry, Kerry. It was a Friday evening, I'll never forget that day, because of the low turn up. 
Yeah. Can you imagine you're hosting Andrew Womack? We couldn't even, we, we were less than a third of Katikati Friday. Empty chairs everywhere. It was so bad. But we talked, Angela, Pastor Angela was the admin at the time. I don't know. My God loves us. God loves this church. Because in our idiocy, yeah, he comes and gives me one small idea like this. And I don't even know where he gives the grace for us to hear it and implement. So we are talking one day. And I said, Angela, you know what? We should go. Now at that time, we had also started practicing another principle of saving some money for the ministry in a separate account. I just felt we should go to that account, wipe it out, and give all the money there to Andromach. Remember, we're a small broke church for which an international global minister is coming and we can't even feel a third of katikati. For those who are watching on, who are listening on radio, katikati sits only about 200 people. So we are like about a quarter. So we wiped out the account, housing, finance, this is how rich we were. When we wiped out the account and converted it to dollars, it was about $1,500 only. Right? Yeah. So, you know, Andrew comes, he preached out of Isaiah 53. I'll never forget that sermon. Isaiah 53. So, the service ends. You know, you sheepishly take your envelope of $1,500 only and gave it to the man of God. First of all, he was very surprised. Very surprised. Because American preachers versus African churches, the impression we, are give, we have given is that we are takers. They come to spend. So he, he, he received it, was very happy, he prayed the blessing on us. On Tuesday of the next week, a person I know, who I will not reveal, came and gave tithe. Now, those days, our weekly income used to be around 3 million. When you've done really well, 3 million, 1.5, those things. Someone came and gave a tithe of 46 million shillings. Tithe. Yeah. 46 million. They had to write three checks, 20 million, 20 million, 6 million. I think even the bank was like. So because we display our income every week in church, those days we were only one location. We were only one small location. I'm talking 2008, maybe. 2008. The second location, which is Nalia, was planted in 2011. So it's around 2008. When we displayed under giving was around 50-something million that week. People were like, error, there's a mistake. <laughs> no, because the 46, there was also the giving of other people, which came to about 50-something, about 50 million point. Like, no, 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 you guys have made a mistake. <laughs> that money was the seed that helped us buy the first piece of land in Nalia. Yeah. So now, while you're arguing, I have an experience. 
Yeah. You, you can abuse and stay broke. Me, I will have the experience. Honor. My goodness. And then we have served, we have honored Andrew Ministries, everything they ask us to do, we do. Uncle Ben and Aunt Joy, our spiritual parents, we have made sure we are honoring them consistently as a church. As a church. And God has blessed this church, Worship Harvest, because of those people. Because he gave us the wisdom to honor them. If we are not honoring the people who have gone ahead of us, our spiritual parents, like Uncle Ben and Auntie Joy, the people who have taught us in the world, like Andrew Mark Ministries, and other ministries, other ministries that are ahead of us in this city, we honor them consistently with our giving. Because that's how you honor the Lord. That's why this beloved church of yours is going to plant a thousand plus locations. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, we have found a church, a ministry that has planted more than 4,000 churches. We are already starting to honor that one. Because like, you know, you have to give in the direction you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you, you say, you only give to the poor. Now, that's also one of the ways to give, and I'm going to talk about it. But usually that, anyway. There is a correlation between honor and generosity. Uh, I've talked about honoring God. Let me talk about honoring parents. I touched this on Wednesday, and it left no small star. Deuteronomy 5.16, Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. Done what? Not suggested to you. What's the result? That your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You know, one of the big disadvantages of social media is that whether you have the facts or not, you can speak. Mm. So there are people, when I teach about honor, they come blasting me. Yeah, God wants our hearts. Like, do you, you see, when it's so bad when you're carnal and you think you're spiritual. How do I know you're carnal? You're not guided by the word of God. You're guided by your emotions. I used to be like that. I used to argue with everyone about tithe. I wasn't tithing. I was carnal and ignorant. Now when you're carnal, ignorant, and proud, it's a bad combination. That was me. Then I would argue with Patty. Then he gives me some pocket money. Because I'm arguing, but I'm broke. Then one day it hit me. The guy I argue with is unfeeding me. That happened to me, by the way. One time I used to, when, well, every time we do, by the way, financial series, people leave worship promise. I'm now used to it. Even this Sam Kamani, we have had departures. Yeah, and I like it that way. You have to put in the fire and the snakes get out of the wood. So one time I was teaching a series 
and the, the Sunday taught about tithe. Usually you tell people's attitudes by what they post on Facebook. A, a member of the church who was supposed to be close starts posting everything against tithe in the very time I'm teaching about tithe. Now, what was so annoying is that at that time, we were paying rent for that person. I'm telling you, when, when the devil deceives you, tell come even common sense to say, since this person is paying rent for where you're staying, maybe it's not a good idea to argue with them publicly. So if you honor your father and mother, your days will be long and it will be well with you. Ephesians 6, 2 to 3. Give me Ephesians 2, 6, 2 to 3 and then I'll ask you to give me one and then we'll go into honoring parents and what it really means. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. This is Paul speaking. And what, what else does he say? That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Isn't that the same promise given in, in the law? Isn't it the same promise being given by in, the, in the new covenant by the preacher of grace? You see, just because the law passed and we are not justified by the law, it doesn't mean you should go and commit adultery and steal and covet because we are no longer justified by the law. No, we are not justified by the law. But if you <laughs> go against the design and principles of God, you're going to suffer. And it won't be God making you suffer. You're making yourself suffer. Yeah. You see, if you jump off a building and gravity acts on you and brings you down quickly and we get born again guts all over the pavement, you can't say God killed me. No. You knew gravity exists. You don't have to be Isaac Newton to know that you'll get hurt if you jump off a building. Now, if, if honor is this important and yields these kinds of results, which is what? Long life and living and a long and prosperous life. Let me sum it up that way. Then it's incumbent on us to figure out how to do it. It's a bit like if someone came and told you that, by the way, we found a cure for COVID. Yeah? This thing that's disturbing the whole world, we have found a cure for it. Don't you think it would be super irresponsible of you to just be like, eh, okay. <laughs> no! Everyone should be getting it. Yeah, because here is a thing which is like, everyone wants to live long on earth, right? Is there anyone here who wants to die quickly? No. And everyone wants in that long life to do what? To do well, right? And then they tell you, here is what to do to live long and do well. I think it is responsible of you if you don't find out how to do it. Because he tells you, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. But he doesn't tell you how. That's where problems come. And usually, John Maxwell wrote a good book, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. 
When you don't ask the question, you miss the revelation. Okay, God, you want me to honor my father and mother. How do they do that? Matthew 15, 4 to 6. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him, be, let him be put to death. But you say, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, whoever says to his father or mother, mark the next words, they're in red in your, most of your Bibles, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. What does that say to you? To honor is to share profit. To own, you honor with cash, substance, just like God. Because look, everything, everything that happens in your relationship with God is an indicator of what should happen in your relationship with human beings. So if God, who doesn't eat meat, or kaunga, insists on being, on being honored with substance, how much more your parents who eat meat and kaunga? Am I making sense? He says, if God, for God commands, say, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, in other words, refusing to honor your father and mother with giftings, cash, it is, is the equivalent of cursing them. That's why these scriptures, if you go to the Old Testament, they are not together. You, you will not find a verse which says, honor your father and mother, he who curses father or mother, let, me, let him be put to death. That verse is not there. Jesus is combining one command, which is honor your father and mother, and to create proper hyperbole, he brings another thing, which he says, if you don't honor, if you curse your father and mother, you shall be put to death. And he compares it and says, dishonoring your father and mother is as good as cursing them. It's like, you, you gave birth to me, you cleaned my diapers, you fed me, you educated me, you took me to school, now I have a job, now I have a husband. Be there, I be here. That's cursing, my friend. Imagine, imagine if you were the parent and you are so out of the mind of your children that they don't even send you anything. You would feel cursed. Like, what did you raise? Nakuzachi. So he says, honor you. And he says, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. You are like, ah, Lord, Lord, I made a pledge for rise and build. And therefore, I don't have money to send to my parents. Does your pledge take up 100% of your income? Mark 7, 10 to 12. For Moses said, now it's completely illegal. Okay. For you to be here prospering, driving cars, drinking beer, doing whatever, when your parents are struggling, it's unacceptable. And remember, what, whatever you sow, that's what you reap. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, I mean Mark, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Second witness, this honor is the equivalent of cursing. Mm -hmm. And what does he say? 
But you say, this is what God said, but you say, Facebookers, but you say, on social media, you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Coban, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. Let me correct those of you who think that honoring, that all God wants is for you to have a relationship with him, be saved, serve in church, in the ministry. No. Precisely no. That's why he's saying, this is, God is saying, honor your father and mother. How? By sharing your profits with them, by giving them a gift. And then you're saying, uh, uh, I can't because I'm committed to God. All that God wants from me is to be committed to him. Mine is a gift to God. My money belongs to God. So I'm not going to do anything for my parents. He's, and he says, you make the word of no effect. Thus, you've made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Mark, give me the next verse. Verse 13, verse 13. Making the word of God of no effect in your life. Through your tradition, which you have handed down and so many, and many such things you do. The quickest way to make the word of God of no effect in your life is to dishonor your father and mother. Hmm. You pray, you fast, until you become like a stick and you're still not prosper and you wonder what's going on. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Many people think they can sacrifice their way into God's things. You're like, God is not impressed with your fasting. Actually, he says that somewhere. He says, I'm not impressed with your fasting. Why? Because you're not... God. The only thing that God wants is his word to be active in your life. Amen. So if you have not been in the habit of doing something for your father or mother, or if you don't have father or mother, there are people who raised you. Those aunties, those uncles, your sisters, your brothers, do something for them. Amen. Now, God loves me. So I know how this is going. First Timothy 5, 17 to 18 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, first of all, this is enough scripture to prove to you that there is a relationship between honor and money. Okay? Yeah. Like we were saying in MC Live, kneeling is not profit. Singing is not profit. Bowing is not profit. Saying hi on WhatsApp is not profit. So all those things don't equate honor. But he says here, just to prove, he says, let the elders who rule well, especially those who labor in the word, be counted worthy of what? Double honor. And then he talks about the laborer is worthy of his wages. In other words, there's a relationship between honor and money. Because if you're paying a wage, how do you pay a wage? Do you pay a wage by singing? Or by WhatsApping? Or by bowing? Or by greeting with Cheto Waze? No. Have you understood? So honor is financial, period. You can go report to the wherever, to your former church. Honor is financial. 
So now you need, you know you need to honor your father and mother. Now, when it comes to spiritual people, those people who teach you the word, the people I talked about in the beginning, people who discipled you, people who led you, taught you the word, those ones, it's not just, it's double honor. Now, I'm sure you understand the meaning of the word double. That's why at this church, we pay our pastors a salary. It's a way of what? Honoring them. And you also can honor them. Now, Spirit FM is closing. Those who are with us on Spirit FM, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, God bless you abundantly. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to do that right now. Just receive him and he will be able to he will take your life and make something significant out of it. All right. I'm done with honor, giving out of honor. I hope everyone, if, even if you get only this one, yeah. it's sufficient. It's enough. Just honor your father and mother. Double honor your spiritual, those who labor in the word. I, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say in a form, form like this, but I honor people. There are people I honor who, like, you know, because I lost my dad when I was young, people who stood with my mother to raise me up. I make sure I honor them. Now, there are people who I double honor. Now, I'm the leader of this church, so, okay. But there are people whose lives I look at and they've gone ahead of us. They've paved the way. I double honor those people, both as church we do that, but also as an individual. So go find that person who discipled you in secondary school and honor them or at university. Uh, fifth way to give, fifth way to give is giving to the poor. Proverbs 19.7 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. What he has done, what? Given. Studio audience, I don't know if we are still here. He will pay back what he has given. So how do you have pity on the poor? By what? Giving. You don't have pity on the poor by saying, can I imagine? No. You don't, you don't pity with words. You give. That's why we are teaching you to make a lot of money so that you can fulfill the word of God. You see, there's a difference between compassion and concern. The difference between compassion and concern is money. Everyone is concerned. Yeah. I'm very concerned about the roads. I'm concerned about the hospitals. I'm concerned about the whatever. You're, I'm concerned about the curriculum. Whatever. You're concerned. But do you know why you have never done anything about it? You're broke. Yeah. If you, were, if you had the money, you would be compassionate. Compassion is when you spend money to rectify the thing you're concerned about. If you find a hungry person, even if you join them and cry with them and say, I, I feel so bad that you're hungry. Do you know what? The moment you walk away, you think they will feel full in their tummy. They will still be hungry. Now, instead of crying and praying, James discourages us from praying for hungry people and people who are destitute, go buy food. Send money. Don't walk past the security guard. Don't argue for the balance of 500 shillings. Anyway. 
Proverbs 29. He who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. He who has a generous eye. In other words, you're looking. G- give me Isaiah 32, 8. 32, 8. Isaiah 32, 8. He says, but a generous man devises generous things and by generosity he shall stand. Devising means you are actively cooking up ways, means, methods. You're seeking opportunity constantly to be generous. You're not you're ducking from every when you say that there is a likely to be an opportunity to be generous, you run in the opposite. No, 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 no. A generous man does what? Devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. By generosity shall stand. Amen. He says, He who gives to the poor will not lack. You want to eliminate lack out of your life? It's so easy. This, this is God speaking. God is not a small boy. <laughs> God is a big, big God. Don't call him a small boy. God is he, God is he, God is he, a big, big God. God is a big, big God. Don't call him a small boy. Okay, stop, quiet. So, this is God. Can you imagine? God comes and says, here is the way to eliminate lack out of your life. Give to the poor. And you're like, Mm-mm, I don't believe it. He says, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. In other words, you look, you know how you go to some of those places and you just want to look away. It's, the poverty is too much. So instead of doing something about it, you'd rather hide your eyes. That's why we do missional communities. That's why we go to frontiers. And many of you, you're going to prosper so much because you've decided to serve the poor. Yeah. And by the way, sometimes people who are poor, because of their condition, money is not the best solution, cash. It's other things. Pay school fees. Yeah. Yeah. Let me embarrass her. B3 here is paying school fees for many, many children who are destitute. Some of you, the only thing you see is her nice dresses. Yeah. I'm very proud of my pastors. And I know God is going to prosper them. One day they'll fly airplanes. And you, you, some of you point your noses and I'll be like, take your nose wherever it belongs. Because they, they work hard to serve the church. They work hard to run their businesses. They work hard in worship harvest at every location. The location pastors are among the top five most generous people in terms of giving. Every location. They give way more than people who earn a lot more money than them. So this one, any apology? I have no apology at all for y'all. Yeah. Why should these people preach the word to you? Cancel you in your marriages. Answer your calls at 2 a.m. Pray for you. They fast. These people... 
Some of them are on the 40-day fast right now. Do all these things. And then how to give you the ministry. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Silence is in the house. Oh. Hmm. I'm telling you, something is happening in these next three months in this church. God is going to sift the goats from the sheep. Yeah. Yeah. These people are over-sacrificing their time, time with family, they are preaching, they are praying, they are fasting. They are teaching the word. They are everywhere. Then they have to run their own businesses to supplement the income from the church because it's... And then even from the money they make trying to run their business and from their salaries, then they continue out-giving some of you. I don't get it. What's the purpose? I don't get it. I can't praise you on that one. Galatians 2, 9 to 10. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. The other day I found out that my wife is paying some people's school fees and she had never even told me she real practiced that thing of let, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's awesome. You, like, how, you have a wife like that. <laughs> Life can just be good. Yeah. But when your wife, all they want is shopping, I want to shop here, shop in the other city, shopping. When are you starting to mind the things of God? Shopping is not a spiritual gift. Yeah. Yes. Shopping is not a spiritual gift. So this one, I shopped here, then I shopped in the other city, then, then even show us on Facebook. That degree of carnality, I don't get it. Remember the stop shopping, start paying school fees. Stop shopping, start helping people with their medical bills. Stop shopping. Start giving towards the church. I sent Mr. Ansubuk a message. This morning I was praying and God put it in my heart. I told him we are starting to build in Gayaza in January. Finalize the land issues. Yeah. Because in my mind, I'd been thinking we need to finish Nadia, then build another. Then I, I realized, no, 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 no. I was listening to Bishop Doug, and he was saying, and this was in 2015, this message, he was preaching it in 2015 in Paris, and he was telling those people that at that time, he had 400 building projects going on at the same time. Building churches, 400. So 
we are also not going to build one at a time. We are going to give. We will build locations. We will buy land, build locations. Buy land, build locations. For you, you can be shopping. It's okay. For us, we will build church. We'll build churches while you shop. But remember, 100 years from now, no one will know you existed. Not even your own descendants. Yeah, I asked these people on, on what? Tuesday, Thursday. Tuesday. Ask them, just go back 100 years in 1920. Do you remember your ancestors of 1920? The only people who could remember, it was people who were either priests or people who served in the church or people who served in public administration. No one could remember their great-grandfather. How cruel can life be that only 100 years later your own relatives don't know you existed? Because you were shopping. We deserve to be forgotten based on the way we live our lives. If you live for temporary causes, why do you think heaven is obliged to write your name into eternity? Why do we remember Colgate now? Because he gave 90% of his income to the, to the mission of God. He was born in the late 1700s. Up to today you used Colgate. How about that for your name being etched in history? And he doesn't have a social media channel to push himself. We have to finish. The sixth way to give. The sixth way to give. I'm preaching better than you're listening. You can't shut me down. You can't shut me down. I'm on a mission. And I will fulfill my calling. Yeah. Sixth word to give is to bless the nations. Deuteronomy 8.18 And you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he saw to your fathers as it is this day. What is the covenant? The covenant is the covenant he swore to the fathers of Israel who are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you want to prove that, go back to Deuteronomy in the earlier chapters, chapter 5, I think, and maybe around 6 and 7. He keeps telling Israel, your fathers, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it can't be that when he reaches chapter um, 8 that he has changed his mind that the fathers are someone else. So the fathers of Israel are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says he will establish the covenant he swore to them, which was what? He knew all the nations shall be blessed. Now, the blessing is not money. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. Proverbs 10.22. But it's not money. The blessing is eternal life. Psalm 133 says there, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. What is eternal life? John 17.3. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is intimate relationship with God. So the purpose of wealth creation is for you to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. When you go to work tomorrow and you're in that traffic jam or you're negotiating that deal or you're serving that customer, remember the whole point of it all 
is to help people receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The whole. Now, when you're not even tithing, like giving only 10% towards that, <laughs> even the devil knows your idiocy and he sits and laughs and you're there singing worship songs. And like, this one, I have him. Let him sing all he wants. He, you can even sing on key, but he has you. Yeah. Galatians 3, 8 to 9. And the scripture first thing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. How would God justify the Gentiles? By faith. How does God justify the Gentiles? By accepting Jesus Christ. Preach the gospel to Abraham, the father of Israel. Beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. Therefore, what is the gospel? The gospel is the justification of the Gentiles by faith. And that's the point why I must make money to advance that cause. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Ah, uh, God. My God. I'm going to, I'm finishing. Is this, this is the first finishing? I'm finishing. <laughs> Philippians 4. 15 to 19. Now, he says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if you are not supporting missionary work, don't claim this verse. It doesn't apply to you. Paul didn't write this to the Galatians. He wrote to the Philippians, why? Be you see, it's bad. It's so bad that in church, we just don't know how to divide the word of truth. Everyone goes, my God shall supply on my needs according to his church. Why? Why would he do that? You're misquoting the scripture. He's talking to the Philippians. Why? Be he said... Take me back to the verse. Take me, Take me the one before. Verse before. Verse before. He says, not that I seek the gift. I seek the fruit which abounds to whose account? When you give to the gospel, when you bless the nations by giving towards the gospel, the fruit does not abound on the church account. The fruit does not abound on the evangelist's account. The fruit abounds on your account. Wow. Let me tell you a story before I read you the last verse for today. 
Many of you Reina, know Reynard Bonke. Reynard Bonke. Great evangelist. He passed on this year. He led millions of people to Christ. Reynard Bonke's crusades were huge. And his successor, Daniel Kolenda, continues in that work. At one crusade in Nigeria, at one crusade, the people who signed cards, signed decision cards to say, tonight I'm giving my life to Jesus. The ones who signed were more than one million people in one night. Live, not on TV, live on the grounds. That man, a part of the reason the gospel has advanced in Africa so much is because of Reinhard Bonke. One million people in one night. Wow. Now, here is a story that is not well known. Way before Reinhard Bonke became that big, when he was still doing tent meetings, you know where they would pitch a tent? Kenneth Copeland found him in South Africa. He went and looked for him and found him and said he had a word for him from the Lord. It can only be Kenneth. And he told him, this is what I hear the Lord saying. He prayed for him and told him, this is what I hear the Lord saying. One day, a million people will come to Christ in one, in one of your meetings, in one meeting. He prophesied it to him in, in around 1983. Kenneth Copeland, around 83, he gave him that prophecy. And he said, God has sent me to you and he has said that you go to the non-believers and reach out and he's sending me to the believers to teach them the word of faith. And a little known story is that Kenneth Copeland was the biggest funder and supporter of Reinhard Bonnke's ministry. But because of the ignorant masses on social media, there are those who abuse Kenneth Copeland in one breath and praise Reinhard Bonnke in another, not knowing that those two people have been working together for years. Who are you sending? Let me finish. Let me act stand for act stand for. Act stand for. Give me act stand for. As as the other people join me now. In Acts chapter 10, uh, a man called Cornelius saw a vision. Cornelius saw a vision of an angel. And Peter also saw a vision and God sent Peter to Cornelius' house. And this is what the angel tells Cornelius. So take me back to verse 1. B3, Angela, come. 
There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is, was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your arms, your giving, have come up for a memorial before God. While some people are trying to build monuments on earth, you want, you, you want your house to look like about what? You can either build on earth, but you can also build before God. He says, your prayers and your arms, your giving, has come up for a memorial before God. You can build a memorial before God through your generosity. So we taught you six ways to give. Tithing, first fruits, offering, honor giving, giving to the poor, and blessing the nations by giving towards the mission of God. Why? Sometimes people are going to serve in places where they are not yet a church, and so they can't survive on the giving of the people there. They have to survive on the giving of the people sending them there. It's their people. I will not reveal. There is a lady in worship harvest. She gives money every month towards our missions. And that money, we've been using that money to help new church plants as they take off, especially the leaders, because they are moving into spaces where their income is disrupted and all, and we've been helping those leaders stabilize. And we keep shifting. When, it's, when a location has stabilized, we shift the giving to someone else. You know yourself, I'll not say your name. I want to thank you and say, your prayers and your arms have come up for memorial before God. Many people who give their lives to Christ in those churches, when you go to heaven, they will be lined up, welcoming you as walking, saying, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.